You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. I've never related to the Apostle Paul more than I do this morning. When Paul said, I come to you not with eloquent speech, I feel that. Because I am not going to have very eloquent speech for you this morning. Uh, I went to NCYM, which is a national conference for youth ministry this past week, and it was a blessing. Unfortunately, my sinuses did not consider it as much of a blessing. So if I cough, hopefully maybe Spear can be quick to mute me before I do, and it doesn't blow you away. But this is our second Sunday in our new series that we're doing that I've titled Church of Christ. And for some of you, you may be thinking, oh, cool, we get to learn all about the churches of Christ, and I'll stop you right there. This is not an in-depth look at our theology at all. Uh, in fact, it's much more of a personal reflection for us here at the Winsboro Church of Christ, both as a body of believers who come together and are the church here, and also for us as individuals. What does it mean for us to be the church of Christ? And last week, we talked about how church isn't a building, and not just specifically That church doesn't revolve around us having a building or not. But more importantly is our mindset, the the mindset of that church only happens at a place. Or more so the mindset of whenever we gather together, do we just clock in and clock out? And that's our time together and then we go and we do other things and we're not a Christian elsewhere. Instead, we should have the mindset that our identity and our purpose as Christians and as the church, it doesn't stop when we walk out of those doors and it doesn't stop whenever we're not together. In fact, it continues on day in and day out. And I think that's very important, and it's important to have that vitally clear in our minds whenever we look at this next subject, which I've titled, Of Christ. So we focused on the idea of what does it mean to be the church, and really, who are we? Why are we here? Now I want us to focus on that second half of our name that we claim. What does it mean to be of Christ? We have it on our sign, we have it on our building, we put it on fancy little t-shirts, right? And we have it on a cool website, that's cool. And that's all good stuff, right? I think it's important that we do that. And I love our name. But what does it truly mean to be of something? What does it truly mean to be of someone, as we claim? In one sense, I believe it means that you are a part of something, right? To be of someone or something means that you're a smaller part of the whole, And that's exactly who we are as the church. We are the bride of Christ, one day to be fully united with Him in eternity. But also, in a very real sense, I believe that it means that we are to be for Christ. It means that we are to represent Christ and all that He represents in this world. And I think that is vitally important for us because that's what everyone else in the world is going to see and think of first, right? Sure, we can, we can talk all day about how we're the bride of Christ and we're all these things and we have all these blessings and that's good and I think that's important. And if we don't know that, I think we need to learn it again. But from others looking into us, they see the name on our building and on our shirts and we walk around and we have that name of Christ. And whenever they see the word of, I think they see the word for. And that alone is strange in our culture It's strange to be a group of people that are more known for being for something because in our culture, it's typical that people and groups are known for what they're against. Just look around. Look on your social media pages. Look in the news. Wherever you turn, wherever you look, people are against things. People are against people. 
People are against ideas. They're against places. They're against sports teams. People are against brands. They're against businesses. They're against other states. If you leave Texas, sorry, right? They're against political parties. They're against politicians. They're against representatives. You're against friends. You're against family. And we draw these lines and we come together. And unfortunately, I think the great unifier of our day has not become what we're for, but rather, what are you against? And that's easy for us as a church to become very similar. It's easy for us as people in the body of Christ to be known by what we're against rather than what we're for. We become to the rest of the world known by what we are against. And this is very dangerous. I believe it's dangerous because whenever we are for, or whenever we're known for what we're against, we become blind ultimately to what we were ever for in the first place. We get so caught up in this cloud of negativity that it blinds us for the purpose that we actually are together for. So the question is, what are we for? I believe it starts out, ultimately, that we're for Jesus, right? We say it on our sign, we're for Christ. But somewhere along the way, it changes. So I'm going to do something a little out of the ordinary here. I got a visual aid that I borrowed from a guy named Gary Albritton over in Tyler. I'm going to need some help. Where's Hunter at? Is he hiding? Is Hunter here? Where'd he go? There he is, Hunter. I've known Hunter probably longer than both of us remember, so he knows I love him when I say this. Hunter, I need you to be the kingdom of darkness this morning. (laughs) So, here you go, Hunter. Take a, a big length of this. It may get tangled up, and that'll be okay. Hunter, come stand over here. We'll get you front and center. Everybody, Hunter is going to represent the kingdom of darkness. This doesn't mean that I think that he is Satan himself, but he's representing that for us today. And we got Hunter up there, and I'm going to ask Roger. Roger, you had a really good communion thought. You look pretty righteous this morning. Would you grab? (laughs) Don't don't worry. I bought this rope from your store yesterday. It's all good. I'm going to give you one end, and hopefully we'll we'll get in the middle there. There you go. That's okay if it's not fully right. You keep pulling, keep pulling, keep pulling. Until eventually, Roger, here you go. Oh, don't let go, Satan. It's okay. We have a little bit of tension here, right? Pull until there's just a little bit of tension. Y'all see this? And there's tension between the kingdom of God, Jesus, and the kingdom of darkness. And what Jesus does is he come along and he says, Hey, Ken, would you come fight for me? Come on, get up here. I'm going to ask Alex. Alex, would you, would you stand up here and fight? Just grab along, and you're going to start pulling this way. Alex, you can get in here on this side. Don't pull Hunter over. Don't use all our might. But would, you, would you come fight? Would you four? And would, would you, Alan, come here? And we start pulling against, right? And it's all great because we're all going this way. We're all four Jesus, and we're for Him, and we're pushing against the kingdom of darkness. But what happens, Ken? Ken, we look at them, and we say, ooh, they serve communion in multiple cups. So we start to pull. You're still pulling this way, but you're pulling against Alex over here, right? So we pull against her. And then Alex, oh goodness, did you see what he wore to church the other Sunday? 
Oh my, how dare he? We pull against each other. And for every reason in the book, we're pulling against one another. And he's still back there pulling for the right thing. He's still back there fully pulling for Jesus. And then eventually, Hunter, you can let go. Satan gets to say, man, look at that. This is perfect. I have them so against each other. I have no work left to do. Thank you. Y'all can sit down. We become so wrapped up. Thank you. And all these things. Some of them we have deeper opinions than others. Some of them are very petty. But even the petty ones can seem big depending on who it is that's doing them. To the point where we as a church start working so much against things and people and ideas that we don't like that we start to lose sight of what we are ultimately for and that is for Jesus Christ. And Jesus is against the kingdom of darkness. If we are to be a people that is for Christ, then we have to realize that we are for His kingdom. As Jesus stood trial before Pilate, that is the Roman leader who was basically going to decide his fate, he goes before Pilate and Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus asks kind of a snarky question. He says, did you come up with that yourself or somebody tell that to you? Right? Is this your own idea, Pilate, or did somebody mention that, you know, in passing? And Pilate says, am I a Jew? He says, your own people handed you over to me, and what have you done? What are you doing, Jesus? You're here, you're in chains, you're in my control. What are you king of? Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If so, I wouldn't be here right now. If so, my people would have fought to keep me from these chains. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. And he says, so you are a king. Jesus says, for this purpose I have come into the world. We have to recognize that the kingdom of God that we are for is not of this world. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Many of us know this section of Scripture. It's titled, The Whole Armor of God. Starting in verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Did you read it? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's very easy to lose sight of that. In a world that continually pits us against one another for this and that and the other, we're reminded in Scripture that we do not battle against flesh and blood. It's easy to get caught up in the world, right? 
It's easy to get caught up in all the drama of the day. That is why Jesus calls us to be a part of Him. We get pulled to be against things rather than to be for Christ. When I was a senior in high school, somebody gave me the horrible advice of taking a class called pre-cal, right? I don't know why. It was rightly named, though. Um, That was definitely just before uh, the rest of my life whenever I'd be using a calculator, so pre-calculator for me. But in this class, we had a teacher named Miss McGahee. Phenomenal teacher. One of the best I've ever had. Horrible subject. Uh, It wasn't her fault. She did what she could, uh, and she tried. But with this subject... It was so horrible because it was for all of us high school seniors, and you had to pass it in order to graduate. So we go to this class every day, and we're dreading it, right? We go, and she's doing her best. She's giving us everything she can, and we're just struggling along, just saying, can't you do it for us? You know, please help. And one day before our final test that was going to really determine whether most of us would pass or fail or not, She's going on and on and on, and her little thing to make sure we're still there is, uh, rather than saying, like, right, or you good, she would always say, y'all with me? She kept asking, y'all with me? Y'all with me? And it's early in the morning, uh, and my best friend Austin chimes in, and he says, well, we're not against you. (laughs) And boy, did that get us off track. But it's okay, Austin stole all my jokes in high school, so I get to steal one of his, but... uh, I believe that's important for us to recognize that even whenever we're in a struggle, even whenever life becomes difficult, we've got to remember who we're for. We've got to remember what team we're on so that we can get through it. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, our main verse. 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 18. He starts out talking to servants, but then I think it really quickly moves into an address to everyone that he's mentioned prior to this. Verse 18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, you, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. It says, for to this you have been called. What have we been called to? If we do a little bit of English searching we recognize that what we've been called to is a life that's full of suffering. It's not just suffering for suffering's sake, though. It's suffering for trying to do what is right. Suffering for doing good, not just evil. Paul says whenever we are suffering in this way, it is a gracious thing. We are suffering for that good. Let's study this a little deeper. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Because it says we're not only just suffering, but we're suffering in the same way that Christ did. We're following after Him. So I think it behooves us, there's a word, to look at Jesus, right? 
That's what the Hebrew writer does for us in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 3. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And then verse 4, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's saying, stop for a moment. In that situation in your life where things aren't going well, where you're saying, I'm trying to do what's right, and every turn, somebody's against me. It says, before you say that thing to that person, before you send that text, before you post on Facebook, consider him who endured such things from sinners. Right? Right? Verse 4, this is such a good reminder for me, for all of us. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, Scripture tells us it's not easy to be for Christ. It's not easy to, one, remember who you're for and stay out of all of the fluff and garbage that gets in the way. But not only that, when you're actually pulling for him, when all that's cleared, and you're actually pulling for him, that's going to be hard too. But consider Christ. Consider him. What does it mean? What does it really look like to follow in his footsteps? With this, we return to 1 Peter 2. I know we're jumping around a lot this morning. but I hope you're following. 1 Peter 2, verse 22, it says this. Talking about Jesus, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So what does it look like? What does it truly look like for us to be for Christ? I think Peter's saying, following his steps of suffering in this way, means to be hated and in return show love. It means whenever we're suffering, we don't cast threats at other people. We don't try to bring them back into the pit with us and suffer with us. Instead, we try to build people up. It means that we are called to live for righteousness. In other words, I believe it means three things. We'll flash back to last week. Number one, I believe it means that we are called to love God. Two, to love others. And three, to make disciples. We've said this a lot. Especially that last one, right? That's a good one. It's a good one. But let's look a little bit more clearly at that last one for a second. Turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. So we know it's going to be difficult. We know it's a struggle to be for Christ and not against all these other things. Not only that, whenever we try to be for Him, we know that struggle will come. People may hate us, they may revile us, and in return we're called to love others in such a way that we bring them to Christ as well. And this is the call that Jesus gives us. 
Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Let's not stop there. Let's keep reading. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said, I am with you always to the end of the age. The coolest thing, I believe, about being for Christ is that Jesus is for us as well. In fact, the only way that we can truly be for Christ is because Jesus looks at us and he says, I'm for you. He looks at us and he says, I want you on my team. I don't want you to be running around being against this, that, and the other all the time. No, I want you to be for me. and I want you to be for the people that I love so that you can bring them to me we have this ministry of reconciliation, Scripture says. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you, ha- you may have peace. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the call Jesus has for us. It's not one to just struggling all by ourselves. It's not one to be fighting against things day in and day out wondering, man, when will relief come? It says, no, have peace. In the midst of trial, in the midst of a storm, have peace because I am with you, Jesus says. It says, I will guide you. I will be there every step of the way. When you struggle and fall, I will pick you up. With that, I want to remind us that every time we gather, we want to remind you of the invitation to obey the gospel. This isn't just my invitation or the invitation of the elders. In fact, this is the Lord's invitation. He says, come. He says, let me be for you. Join in my fight. And so if you need to do that this morning, I I want to encourage you to do so. This is just like whenever the bell rings and everybody starts putting away their stuff, right? (laughs) But I want to challenge us to go a little bit further this morning. What does it mean to be for Christ? What does it mean for you, maybe as a person in this church who's been here forever, what does it look like for you to do one more thing? To be known as somebody who is for Christ before anything else. Before you get into the details of what we might have to be against. What will it look like for you to be for Him? If you look in the sermon notes, this last question is one I really hope that you will answer. If not, before we leave, hopefully by the end of the day, if you can. It's the question of what's one step you need to take in being known for following Christ. Maybe you know exactly what that answer is. Maybe you've known for a while and you just don't know where to begin because for so long you've been struggling with being against this and that and the other. Against that person because they said that one thing so many years ago, and they don't really remember exactly what they said, and you don't either, but you know you're mad at them, right? Being against things because they don't look or sound exactly like us, kind of like me this morning. 
we get so trapped in that, and maybe you realize it's just one simple call saying, I love you and I forgive you. Maybe it's possible that you have such this cloud of negativity that you just need to come to Christ and ask for prayers that He can clear it for you, that He can remind you what you first started pulling for, and that is for Him. We want to pray with you this morning. Our elders are here, their wives are here. We'd love to pray with you. I'll be honest, I think I can speak for them whenever I say they'll be the first to tell you they are not perfect. But don't allow our imperfections to keep you from the one that is perfect. Don't allow us to keep you from being for Christ. Galatians 6.2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you have a need this morning, we'd love for you to come either forward or to the back as we stand and as we sing.